0: Welcome along to the next episode of our Irish Toffees Chewing the Cuts. And today I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by the pie man Seth, Joe Parkinson.
1: Joe, how are you doing, pal? I'm not doing too bad, really, considering you know, the environment we're in at the moment. But we're just pl- plodding on, trying to do something different every day and relieve the boredom, really. As well as keeping safe, obviously. Yeah, yeah, it's a strange time we're living in a
0: lot It's just, just I, I speak to a few people and it's more about the mental side keeping you keeping your mind taken over
1: that's it it's just trying to I mean we've got a 10 um, year old in the house anyway so she keeps you occupied doing things anyway but I make sure I try and get out either for a walk or a little ride on my bike to, to break the monotony up really um, but it's, it's something that no one no one's been through this before and we've just got to hopefully trust that we're doing the right thing to, to get to the end really yeah,
0: yeah, yeah
1: I think it's good that the weather is nice as well you can get up and about well, I think that's really helped because I think since the lockdown, we've only had a couple of days of rain. It's, it's mm. been amazing, really. So you know, at least can go out in the gardens and rather than stuck in the house, which you know, which is difficult, you know, because generally, you know, in all family life, you, you're not 24 hours together, are you? And it can be mm. quite tough uh, both ways. Yeah, so, always yeah. you know, the <laughs> we test. Watch uh, <laughs> uh. for it? Just hopefully we, we can see a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. But I, hope, I just hope we don't relax everything too soon and, you know, we take a backwards step. Yeah, be back to square one. Then, yeah. Mm. Yeah, OK, we'll crack on then,
0: jump to the questions. Um, right back to the very start. You started off a weekend as a schoolboy. And then after a short spell with Bournemouth, you joined Everton. How did that move come about?
1: Well, it was strange because um, i don't just joined uh, Bournemouth with Tony Pulis. And I got injured... Probably about three weeks before um, I made a challenge and i damaged my shoulder. I hadn't had an x-ray, but um, it was only later I found I'd had a green twig fracture in my shoulder. But at the time, it was just sort of get on with it. And, you know, at the time, Bournemouth had no money or anything. So we're playing, I think, Burnley away, which is obviously a massive trip. And, and the manager was really pushing me to be fit for it. And it, I thought it was strange at the time, but never, you know, I just got on with it and wanted to play every game anyway and really struggled. You know, I was getting, any, anyone touching my shoulder, I think we got beat 5-0 but I actually did okay considering. And anyway, it was only on the Wednesday, I got a knock at the door and uh, Tony Pulis was there uh, saying, listen, Everton, when are interested in buying you, do you want to go? And I just went, well, of course, yeah. He said, well, you need to get to London by such a time. Look at my neighbour next door, just, uh, you know, took me straight up there and, we had the same agent and Anzac's we flew up together and we met at the, the bell tower, as it was called, on the East Links just outside Everton and uh, you know, sorted a deal out. And, and that was that. Uh,
0: you joined under Mike Walker, which there's like a myth out there that you joined in between him and Howard Ken but well, that, that wasn't the case, obviously.
1: Mike Walker actually signed you. Yeah, it was definitely Mike Walker. I, I also come about was uh, at the time Tony Pulis' assistant, uh, Dave Williams. Uh, when Mike Walker took over at Everton, brought Dave Williams with him as his assistant. And that was the connection. Obviously, Dave must have gone there and said, there's a laddie you maybe want to look at and uh, push forward with that, really. So, I'd say that happened. Definitely Mike Walker.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you kind of struggled initially when you got there. Was it Was it a case of Mike Walker being poor management or was it just yourself?
1: I don't know, really. I mean, when, when you look back at... I feel quite strongly about when um, you know foreigners come over and, and fans expect them to hit the ground running and everything should be great. Now, I, I'm from the northwest. I'd only been in down south six months and I struggled uh, for various reasons. Still have to settle in, get in a house and stuff like that. Um, so I can understand it can be hard, but at the time you just think you're just struggling. Um, I didn't know whether it was the occasion, uh, such a big club. Because from the outside, you know, I've always had a soft spot for for Everton. Anyway, I just watched them midweek um, on the telly, seeing all the stars there. Next minute, I'm training with them, and I don't know if I just got caught up in that. Uh, but it did. It took me a, a few months really to settle in. I, I went straight into the reserves really, and uh, was doing all right there. But you know, I did struggle. There's no doubt about that, and I can understand why other people struggle, especially people coming to. You know, from a, a different country, really. Not even knowing the languages, I had all that and still struggled. You know, it's a it's a big thing. Kevin's a massive club and once you get in there, you realise what a big club it is, what the fans are like. It, it's just phenomenal, really. And, you know, pressure comes in different ways and, and I've struggled.
0: Yeah. Uh, why do you think Mike Walker got us so
1: wrong himself? Um, you hear little things, but, you know... Uh, I don't know whether he realised what Everton Football Club was. Uh, you know, at the time when we played there, you know, we still went out, you know, and enjoyed ourselves, had a few drinks, and and he sort of wanted to come out with us. You know, and them type of things just don't.
0: Yeah.
1: don't. Plus, I mean, I don't like speaking ill of a man because he, he brought me to Everton. and I'll always be grateful for that. But, you know, I don't think he was out on the training ground as much as, you know, certainly all, all the other managers I've ever known. Um and I think that didn't really help him with the players. You know, the players want, want the managers there, make sure they see him because then there's no excuses when you're not playing. You can't say, well, you've not seen me, have you? You know, how do you know I can't play there? Or, you know, I think it's so important that he's there all the time or as much as he can really. We understand the way managers have to miss, miss certain parts of training or certain days because there are bigger things happening. Um, you know, signings, all sorts of things. So, there was little things like that. He was such a nice man. I really don't want to speak yeah. ill of him, but I think there was little things that sort of didn't really go his way and he couldn't sort of get the team going, really. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He um, didn't play in that amazing, unreal game against Wimbledon, but what, what was the feeling like around the club at the time leading up to that game? Well,
1: up, up to the, um, you know, that week, sort of early in the week, I'd be training with the first team, but then I sort of, Started training a little bit with the, the reserves. We were all at the same place. And I was playing, we were playing at Sheffield United, Bramall Lane, on the same day, same time. And it was the old Central League. And the losers of that between us and Everton went down in that as well. So it was, it was massive for us. We had a young team. So it was strange because, you know, we were getting, I think we were getting beat. And so that meant us were down. And then there were things coming onto the pitch saying Sheffield United were staying up in the Premier League and Everton were going down. With, with the results and it was quite a nasty match, and then we all rushed off in the tunnel, listening to you know to who was staying up and, and thankfully you know we we got our own back, we, I think we won that game, stayed up, plus the first team won, and uh you know we were smashing on a few doors uh, putting that straight, but there was a lot of pressure around you could see that, but I was sort of on the fringe of it, really, not really being involved much, yeah. so you know and obviously, on the day, you know I wasn't involved at all, you know I was away, so I missed all that, which you know, in, it'll go down in history. You know, we, we went and won the game, but it would have been nice to have been part of it. But, you know, at least the right right outcome came. Yeah, yeah. It was just, such a strange day. It was, <laughs> I mean,
0: talk about roller rollercoaster. And it, it was strange at the time, because back then, like they were allowed to show like uh, Premier League games in Ireland, but they, they had, for contractual reasons, there was a half-hour delay. So oh, they man. showed the whole game, but it didn't kick off at half three and off. Oh, so I was actually sat in a pub listening to Radio 5 and obviously it was a half hour ahead and when uh, Diamond stuck in the pen they went, yes! And lads watching the bar, like the legs, shut up, you know, it's okay. So, but <laughs> in the end I said, listen, I'll watch the second half on the TV and my wife sat behind me with the, with the radio on and she knew, so she was telling everybody in the pub what the actual score was except me. So oh, everyone in the pub knew that we would stayed up, except for me. Oh, it
1: was—it was just. It's a, it's a massive part of history, isn't it? Uh, uh, of the club's history—it'll yeah, just yeah. never be forgotten. It. And luckily, uh, we're sort of not down that end anymore because it was a struggle yeah. that period, wasn't it? New managers and things happening, and we we were up and down. And then I think when David Moyes uh, came in, he sort of settled things down and, and made us into a you know, top half team, really, which is which is great.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, going back then, uh, obviously Mike Walker departed and Joe Roy came in and he instantly got a reaction from the players. What, what what, do you think was the difference? Obviously, the main difference was being man
1: on, but what was the main difference for yourself? Yeah, um, I think he knew the club for a start. He played there um, and now he's the manager. So he got the respect off all the players and I, I presume off all the fans really. You know, what a great appointment. And I think coming off the back of Mike Walker, I won't say help, but he sort of had nothing to lose, really, because we'd, we'd started so badly. But it, it was weird, really, because I played in the first team at the start of the season, and then Jimmy Gabriel, the, re- the reserve team coach, came to me. Uh, the manager had taken over, but no one had met him, and there was a reserve team match at Anfield. And he said to me, with short, sure, would, you, would you play for me? And I, I've never said no to, to anybody regarding football management and stuff like that, and I went, well, Jimmy what if the manager doesn't know that I'm normally with the first team and I'm playing in the reserves? He went, no, don't worry, I'll make sure all that's sorted. The manager's coming tonight anyway. Uh, There'll be a few of you playing and blah, blah, blah. And I went, well, of course, I'll I'll play like. And it's probably one of the best things I've ever done. I think we beat them 5-0. Anders Limpard played, Andy Inchcliffe, And I know Joe said in the past he couldn't believe some of the players that weren't in the first team and they were in the reserves. And, you know, as most managers do when they have that first meeting with the players, they always say it's a, it's a fresh start for everybody. Uh, I don't know how true that is. I'm sure there's 70% of it is he knows his team, but it's generally a fresh start for everybody. And and luckily, I was his type of player. And I think it was the type of player that the club or the team certainly needed to get us out of the trouble. And, you know, I just loved the training. It was nice and simple and, and everything that I enjoyed, really. Yeah. Uh,
0: just on that. that- that team, I think Joe said it himself in an interview, he, he, he put out that Dogs of War tag. Uh, do, do you think that was fair? Because we had a few players, like you said, Anders Limper, we had a few players who could actually
1: yeah. play yeah, football. We had some very good players, uh, mm-hmm. but I think at the time, you know, it was that type of Dogs of War that we, we needed all the way through. I know that got labelled in the, the, the midfield lads, uh, especially after the, the, his first game, the derby game. And, mm. um, you know, we sort of tackled everything, tackled each other because we just knew how, how important it was to, first of all, win a derby and and, and keep the run going that we just started to sort of get us out of trouble. Um, he always says he wished he hadn't had said it. It was a flipping comment. But for me, you know, people were talking about it. They're still talking about it now. And they, mm. it's always in kind regards. So, you know, it was great for us. You know, people were talking about us and we know we could play probably a little bit better than maybe the name does but who cares you know I was in yeah. a great team at the time it was just it was a fantastic time even though we were still struggling the team spirit really got going again uh, it got us all all together and you know from there we, we just went on and on didn't we yeah yeah uh, like I said we, we, we got better on, obviously the run to the cup
0: final but like that run up to, up to Wembley like we played so well in the cup but struggling in the league what, what do you think was the main difference there
1: um, I'm not sure I think um, still at that time the FA Cup meant something Yeah. Especially when I was growing up it was one of the best things you could ever win yeah. obviously you had your league but the FA Cup was everything you got up early at 9 o'clock and you watched it all day for the game it was, it was something that meant so much to the, for the players the club the fans everybody and I think that still had that you know we had a bit of a distraction with the league so then we were coming out and we were a bit freer that come on no one's expecting us to do anything yeah. Let's go for it, and, and to be honest, we should have got knocked out in the very first round when we joined against uh, Bristol. But you know, we won that, and we thought, "Hey, we can." Uh, you need a bit of luck, and we were certainly getting it then. And you know, it was a happy distraction, and it just kept our run going as well. And um, you know, we just got stronger in the league anyway, and we were just really hard to beat at the time, which is something you need to be when you we were in the trouble we were. And uh, you know, we, like you've said earlier, we, we had some players in there could win you games. Yeah, uh, the cup semi final
0: against Spurs, I think was the, the, the best display by that team, like in the in the whole season. Can you tell us a little bit about that day and uh, like I remember yeah. the three three sides
1: wherever yeah. uh, Ellen yeah. Road it was. That, that's it. I mean, the first bit I remember is we're on the coach and we're just getting towards Ellen Road and all you see is blue, and it was just constant blue, blue all the way to the players tunnel, and we got off, went through, and then we. Re- then we were realising we're told that we had three sides of the ground because they'd just built this brand new, fantastic, massive uh, stand, and they were putting all the Tottenham fans in there. And so when you came running out, more when we came out for the actual game, not so much the warm up. We could still tell it was there, it was a decent atmosphere. But when we actually ran out for the for the game, it was amazing. You know, the three sides just, you know, it killed Tottenham. The fans, you couldn't hear them, um, and it just sets you up for it. You know, it gives you, it does give you that little bit of a lift. And again, no one gave us anything. They wanted Tottenham United final. Perfect. No one really gave us a chance. They had all the stars. We were determined. We hadn't conceded a goal. And deep down, we, we still speak about it now. We, we, we knew we'd beat them. Um, yeah. But it was just the way we beat them. We beat them with some really good football. We played it physical as well. Great fought them, but we saw them outplay them as well. And a bit disappointed that they scored. Still don't think it was a penalty, but... yeah. But again, it was just a great day. It was just everything about it, leading up to the game. The game was fantastic. Afterwards was just tremendous, getting back to Liverpool, celebrating with all my friends' family. Was just, it was just brilliant. What a day. Uh,
0: you mentioned like, there was a bit of mix it, good play and a bit of stale. You actually, in that game, clattered Nicky Barmy, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I'll get out to here on the TV.
1: <laughs> <laughs> friends with Nick and, you know, obviously when he come, about it he mentioned it as well uh, you know through him I think I tackled Barry as well or he tackled me we were, <laughs> we were just on it we, it was from the start everything was against us I don't think the manager really had to say too much we knew it was a group of players we just had it right at the time and no one was going to beat us on that day and um, it was just you know topped it off that we played so well and probably shut a few people up away from the dogs of war and we were just a kick inside that you know when we won we can actually play, and, and that's what we did. And uh, it was a fair result, apart from their goal, and uh, it set us up for the rest of the season, didn't
0: it? Yeah, it was class. Like we we, we confirmed like Premier League status with that one 0 away win against Ipswich midweek. Did that give the players a little bit of freedom to to go for the cup final and just say, listen, the pressure's off. Let's
1: let's just go for it. I think so. To be fair, that that Ipswich game was an absolute nightmare because I got dropped for it. Oh. And just before the, the cup final, obviously, and I'm now panicking, thinking, why did he dropped me? Um, you know, is, and is this going to happen in the cup final? i spoke to Joel since, and he said, no, I was resting yeah And I went, well, why do not you tell me that? That's the way he was. And, you know, he always said he was always going to stick, unless injuries, he was going to stick with that team that got us to the, the final, really. Um, they deserved that chance, so... It worked out great, but it was a bit of a worrying time for us. But the Ipswich game, I, I do remember it. You know, it was fantastic in the end. When I say remember, it was Paul Rideout scored, wasn't it? It was rideout right yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, once that, you know, we won that game, it, it was just such a relief. And like you say, yeah. we, you could sort of, as a club, look forward to the, you know, to the, to the cup final, finish the season off and, uh, you know, you've got a cup final. So, like I said earlier, a bit worrying for me because I've just been, Rested, dropped, whatever it was. Yeah. But for the club, it was just brilliant to get it over and done with and then look forward to the final.
0: When, when did you find out you were actually going to play in the cup point? Was it the week leading up to or
1: No. I th- do you know what, It's weird. People say, well, you must remember. And I go, well, not really. <sighs> uh, the week leading up to it, you know, you do more interviews. <sighs> I'm not sure. I don't know if it was the day before, the day of the game. I'm not 100% sure. really not. <sighs> Um just remember it being a big relief uh, yeah. when he said he was sticking with the same tide it was a shame for obviously John Ebrel, who uh, missing out uh, but he was absolutely superb on that day You know, with such a disappointment he was there backing the players up and celebrating and actually meaning it because I think personally it would be hard for me to go in a dressing room knowing I missed out on a cup final and try and celebrate in the way that, that he did he was generally Seemed happy that, you know, we'd all won it individually as well as a team and a club.
0: Yeah, so. yeah you mentioned earlier, like, like, the cup final. Like, it, back even when I was a kid, it was, it was the whole day. You, like, you get up at 9am and even if your team weren't in it, like, you just watched it for like six hours before the match started. Yeah.
1: But what, what's, it, what, what's it like for a player on the day of the cup final? Um, again, it's just like I try to do it as any other day, really, as, as a normal match prep. You know, we'd get up, have breakfast, um, go down, have your breakfast, chill out for a bit, and then you'd have your team meeting, and then it's getting on the bus again, sorting out your tickets as well. That's the probably the worst thing about it: running around trying to get tickets off people to yeah. sort out your family and friends because you never seem to get enough. Um, and then it's your coach journey there, and you try and take it in. You know, I wanted to try and take as much as I could in, really, without. You know, I'm a I'm a nervous sort of person before a game anyway, which I, I found helped me. Never took it too easy then. So, you know, it, it, that walk out like when when you see it, watching it on TV, and they all come out in the suits and they're walking along and they're pointing. You know, when I saw my mum and dad there, it was just a dream come true really. That you know, they, they were there in that stand with my family, and I could see them and my friends. It was just that was my dream come true, and then obviously winning the game was. You know, icing on the cake to be a team I used to support as a kid or follow um, you know everything was just perfect that day in the end uh, the match maybe not you know we were hanging on there and mm. but that's what we wanted that bit of luck and we fought and we knew we were hard to beat and you know we beat a very good team on the day yeah just the match itself you mentioned like obviously people talk about the goal and
0: they've made a couple of great great saves then but like the seminal amount for me then was like couple of minutes in you absolutely crammed Paul Ince and he went he went missing then for the rest of the game like was it a tactic was it a tactic to stop
1: him and Roy Keane early I think George just said if you get a chance you know at that time you could do them type of
0: especially
1: early on nothing (laughs) to argue about really but you know I think we knew that there's such good players in there that we could sort of upset them a bit you know something might happen and you know I, I got him and he was up having a go at me, telling me how good a player he is, and he's the governor, and for, to be fair, I think he was trying to then... It took away from his game because he was trying to get me back, but, you know, it never never really materialised that way. So, you know, it was one of them things, just one little piece of a, a jigsaw which the rest of the team made up that, you know, we managed to not scrape it, but just just about deserve, you know, to beat Man United. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: like, you are only, like, 23 back then. But- basically a kid what was it like lifting the cup final or the it's, cup sorry it's just
1: it's it's surreal you know you, like we have spoke about a few times where uh, you know I've I've been brought up watching the, the cup final and then to be actually there waiting for that cup to come along the line it's your turn get your medal with my me mum and dad there you know it was just it's just amazing isn't it and it's everyone's dream yeah. you know if you want to be a footballer you, you want to do that and you know, I'd just done it. Um, you know, I'd be playing at Bournemouth the year before, so I wasn't really expecting anything like that. But you know, dreams dreams can happen, and you know, and it, and it did. And you know, what what a day! It's something I'll never ever forget. You know, it's great that people still talk about it. It's unfortunate that you know we haven't done anything since, but that means mm. you know, we're still in that team that last won something for Everton, which which does mean a lot to me, and I'm sure all the rest of the team that were there. You know, it's a massive achievement and some better players, far better footballers than me, you know, haven't done that. And I'm lucky enough to say, well, I did. I've been to Wembley and I won the FA Cup and beaten Man United. So it was perfect. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's strange that you mentioned,
1: you, you seem to remember everything about that day. A lot of players say it, it just goes by so quick that they don't. But, well, the game itself, does. The, the, the first half especially, honestly felt about 15 minutes long. <laughs> It really did. And then the second half felt a little bit longer than 45 minutes because we were <laughs> up against it, weren't we? Like you say, Nev, making save after save and you know keeping us in, in, in the cup, really. So, yeah, so quick uh, the first half, but he definitely dragged the second half. So, it evened out. Yeah. Uh, uh, the
0: the after-party kind of goes down to folklore as, as being a bit uh, legendary, shall we just say. Tell us a little bit about that without getting yourself into too much trouble.
1: (laughs) I seriously seriously can't because people talk about how good it was. I wasn't there. I wasn't there because... Really? Honestly, I was there in a way that the fact that what it was, Peter Johnson had had changed it because Everton had been to the cup finals quite quite regular really and Mm. the players and all their entourage had been a different hotel party and all their dignitaries had been their own. Mr Johnson had the idea of having it in one big place I was sat on a table with someone I didn't like anyway as a player and people I didn't even know. Oh. And, you know, I was sort of exhausted as well. So that's making you feel tired. Then we had the yeah. brass band from the pitch coming through, playing for us. Then we had Bobby Davro and he just went on and on and on. And I went to bed at 12 o'clock. I was shattered. Couldn't really? take it anymore. Went to bed and obviously heard, you know, people staying up till God knows what. But I sort of had a, a better time. The next day, we're all on the coach by a certain time. We're all having a good drink again, yeah. uh, singing. It was brilliant. We stopped off. I'm not sure which services, And we took the FA Cup with us and put it on uh, I guess Burger, King, Burger King or KFC. <laughs> pumped it on the counter and we all ordered. Got it. Picked it back <laughs> up. Back on the bus. And then we had a tour yeah. around, around uh, Liverpool. That, that was fantastic. I absolutely yeah. loved that. Sad day your family and friends on the bus with you, you were drinking, you know, there were just thousands and thousands of fans everywhere. It was fabulous but the night itself, you know, it was rubbish for me and really? I was in bed at 12 o'clock.
0: Yeah, it's strange that he chose to basically break up the players and have them dotted around rather than sitting together.
1: Absolutely. It was yeah. some idea, I don't know, I don't know whether because people had paid to, pay, you know, to sit on a table with a player there. I don't know if it was maybe a money, I'm not sure but it didn't work. It didn't work for me anyway because, like I say, there was someone on the table I wasn't keen on and the rest of them I didn't really know. So I had a few drinks. I was just shattered, falling asleep. So I said, right, I'm, go- I'm off to bed. So yeah. that made me get up early anyway. and uh, yeah. yeah. Fresh so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 97,
0: you picked up a, a bad injury and like, you never really recovered from it. So like, your last game at 26 and you decided then to retire at 30. Was that a hard decision to come to you, or did you know it was time?
1: The, yeah, the decision itself wasn't wasn't very hard because I knew myself that that was it. Um, the club had done everything they could. People think that I'd had too many injections, this and the other. I didn't in my knee, it was just a freak accident. And the time that it went from being an injury to a serious injury should take years and it would just took months, a couple of months. So it was it was freak. I tried my hardest, at least I know I could hold my head up and I tried like mad to get back. The club backed me I had a few years out, tried everything. I got back to doing the warm-ups with the players but still didn't feel it right. I knew it weren't quite right. I was just hoping that maybe there was a bit of crap in it and it'd just click and just get on with it. But I was fit as I'd ever been, running straight lines, no problem. But then to stop, turn and try and do things like that was just killing me. So when I went back to the surgeon after three years... He just said, it's not really taken. We could do it again. But I strongly advise you not to. Uh, it would be another couple of years anyway. Uh, went through a few things. And I knew deep down that it just wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And, and luckily the club w- were great with me. Uh, looked after me. And, uh, you know, it was a sad time. But, you know, I, I'd, I'd done, done something that boys dream of. And, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, I'd, I'd won stuff. Met a lot of great people. Still got loads of friends and family at, at Goodison. Still get back there, even though I'm coaching nearly at the other end of the country. I get there as often. As soon as there's not a game, I'm there. Uh, they ask me to go in the lounges and speak in there. So I love it. I absolutely love the club. Like I say, I, I grew up supporting United, but once I came to this club, you know, it, it just takes over you. I don't know why we all say it. It yeah. takes over you. And, you, you know, you're just suddenly a Evertonian. I take a lot of
0: pride say that no matter what club they follow those kids, when, when they come, I know we're
1: we're kind of biased, but when
0: they come to Everton, it's just,
1: it's it, it strange. strange. part
0: of a family really. Like I yeah. said, it's hard to explain. But
1: yeah, because I, I mean, it's hard when the other side are, are doing so well and, mm. you know, over the last 20, 30 years, clubs have spent, you know, and so much success and we, we haven't had that. You know, we've probably maybe got the money now and we're, expectations are there, but, We've had some horrible times, haven't we? As, as Evertonians, oh, but we're Evertonians, yeah. and we unfortunately we're a little bit used to it. But it makes us stronger, and you know, it's just a, a magnificent club. They try and do the best, which is, I think, it's a key thing really. Uh, they're trying to do the best thing as much as they can, and I think the fans sort of they know that really and uh, stick by us by, you know, just by the support. It's fantastic absolutely, you know, love the club, like I say, I was Salford Way, grew up a United fan, but once I came here, Evertonian now, and, you know, I just love the place. Yeah,
0: uh, good. Uh, like I said, you retired at 30, did you have anything to fall back on then, or did you have any time? Um,
1: not really, at school, I didn't really take it too serious, I always thought I was going to play football, Um I do wish I'd, I'd, maybe got a trade behind me, but, at the time, I was a bit down, didn't want anything to do with football, really, so, my big passion was wildlife, so I tried to get into the zoos and, and things like that, but that would just take so long and there's so many people who want to do that, um, and so I then started working with, with uh, an old friend I know and doing a little bit here because you know, I've been brought up to obviously want to work, um, and then after a few years decided maybe to start doing my coaching badges, and then the break I got, I was in one of the lounges, I was working at Everton then in the lounges, which was brilliant. I was talking to one a couple in there and they said, what are you up to? And I said, well, I'm just starting to do my badges. And then they said, well, my son's at Preston. Are you looking to do coaching? I said, well, I'd love to. So off I went up there and, you know, I've got friends friends up there now and that's where my coaching started. I started with the under sevens, I think. Ended up doing the under 15s. And then from there, moved on to a couple of other little things. Ended up, my big break was at Wigan Athletic, a club I used to play for. Yeah. I went from youth team assistant to youth team manager to under 23s manager to first team uh, coach. You know, we had a bit of success then. And then I've been on there to a couple of things. Unfortunately, I was up at Berry when all the troubles were. I was horrendous. Mm. Um, and then at the start of the year, I was, I've sort of come into the little academies, local academies. And then I went to Shrewsbury Town. Uh, Graham Barrow, who was the first team, or assistant manager rather, at Wigan when I was there became the assistant manager at Shrewsbury under Sam Ricketts. And they were after a first team coach and he said, would you come down? Went down and, and, and loved it. Um, but in between that, I'd also worked up at AFC Fylde with Dave Chaloner. Um, started there with the academy and helped out when certain circumstances, I sort of stepped up for about six weeks with the first team and just loved it. Loved the way he worked, where way it keeps you involved, just everything about it. And I know when I left there, Sort of tried to keep it on, but it just couldn't work out anyway. And I said, if you ever get a chance anywhere else, please, I'd love to do it. And like I say, I was at Shrewsbury. Dave, unfortunately, got a bad start to the season at Fire, Got sacked there and went up to Hartlepool United. And he rung me up straight away and said, would you come? And straight away, I sort of in League One, more than happy to drop down to the the conference and, and try to get Hartlepool United back into the into the uh, league now, and that's where I am. Unfortunately, we're furloughed, so we're all at home, you know, keeping safe. But you know, we were just outside the playoffs. We still had a little chance, but you know, it was a tough one. But unfortunately, the season's finished now. We're not sure what's going to happen, as in uh, relegation and promotion, or even when we go back. But the season is officially finished, so we're just waiting on that. Really, uh, I think I think
0: Jeff Stelling is a heart. Is he a
1: Heartland oh. fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me, Jeff at all yeah loads of times um, yeah. he'll come to the home games if he's not doing soccer Saturday for some reason mm. um, it, any London games of a night he's always there with his son his son's a, a fanatic as well Hartlepool mm. fan he loves the club uh, you know speaks so much I mean you could see that the day they got relegated I don't know if you were oh, watching yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he went ballistic yeah, didn't he has got yeah. that passion yeah. you know it's so great to see it's, it's, a, it's a it is great to see um, you know, so he's involved in the club, uh, and it's a big club, and it's just unfortunate it's just not been, <clears throat> excuse me, run right, not had the results. Mm. Uh, and we're just starting to get things ticking over, really, and unfortunately this happens. But you know, there's more important things than football is at the time. Uh, but just can't wait to get back into it. Like we said at the very start, it's it's hard when you've always been out and about. You know, it's quite quite boring, unfortunately, in the house, isn't it? Um, you know and just going for your little walks here and there it 's just not the same as having that football banter with the players, the coaching just just everything about football that you love and been brought up to do, so you know hopefully touchwood will soon be back
0: <coughs> yeah. uh, just, you <coughs> mentioned your coaching and you you've, you've worked under a lot of managers um, have, have you brought a little piece from each manager to your coaching skills
1: um, i don 't know really um I don't know. I I probably do, yes. Uh, You know, I find it some managers um, I've worked under, you know, want to take all the coaching. Some want to let you do a lot of it. And when the important stuff comes that he really needs to get across, they'll step in. Mm. So I've had it both ways on that. You know, I prefer it where there's a bit of a balance. Um, I've also been with managers that say half-time, full-time, they speak, no one else speaks. I've had it where you know, they'll ask you to speak, so you've always got to be ready, and have you know, without repeating yourself, you've got to be able to, you know, put your opinions across, but I'm more of a one that'll, I like, once the manager's had his word, if I need to say anything, else, I'll say it, and if, obviously asked, But I'm one of those who'll go, once he's finished, I'll go round to players, and say, right, you know what he said here, but let's, you know, you know, he's doing it for the right reasons, you need to do this, I'd rather put my arm around people, than, than have a go at them, really, So. Um, you know, I've sort of learned little bits here and there, but I would not say I've suddenly done it a certain way. I've just maybe done it my own way, done the coaching courses, and just learned little things like that. YouTube, you know, I don't think there's a coach out there who's not watched someone else and took an idea from them, uh, looked at it, and used it, or just tweeted himself. You know, we're all learning off each other, really, so which is good. It's really good.
0: Do you have any plans to, in the future, go into like, post team management yourself?
1: No, I, I don't think management. No, uh, you can never say You'd like no. I'd like, probably
0: like mine. to be the middleman, would you? I, I'd rather be an
1: assistant, yeah, where I can still do the coaching and sort of mm. put my arm around because I know how much a manager has to do. It's, mm. Especially in the league where we are now, where there's not as many staff, mm. uh, it's ridiculous. You know, um, the amount of time It's 24 hours, simple as that. You know, I'd rather be able to slightly switch off a little bit, but still be heavily involved. If you if you know what I mean, uh, management is is tough, and you can see why they've all grey. And well, I have no chance of that anyway. But <laughs> it's, so, it's so tough being a, a manager at any level. It really is. And I think I'd enjoy it more. You know, the way I'm a first team manager, assistant manager, yeah. or a first team coach. Really, yeah, don't want to be Mister Bad. You no, can get all the stick, then you can get all the credit <laughs> yeah. and you can get, all the, yeah, he can get yeah. all
0: the grief as well. <laughs> yeah, you can stick go for a drink with the lads no matter what yeah. happens. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> yeah. and just going back to Everton time, like you only played like 100 games, just under 100 games for Everton, which are have in such high regard to this day. Yeah, do you know why? Or does it, does it
1: obviously? I'm well, not saying that,
0: I don't, but you know, yeah.
1: Well, to be fair, I think when you looked on Wikipedia, it's over 100 games, including cups and things like that. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I, I do say to people, I don't think when legend gets centred around someone and, and people say, oh, Joe, you're a legend, I'll go, well, I'm not really, because, yeah, my one I don't think I played it long enough. You know, someone like a Dave Watson, you know, the Neville Southalls who played so many games, they're legends to me. You know, that played for so long. I didn't. I, I enjoyed my time there. Unfortunately, I didn't play enough games for me uh, to be called anything like that. But I still think it's amazing that people still hold me in high regards, uh, considering I didn't play enough games that I think you, you know I should be held like that. But you know, it's great, isn't it? There's a lot mm-hmm. of Evertonian players that you know uh, are frowned upon, aren't they? And I'm just so thankful that I'm not the one of them. And when I go out. If people recognise me, they all seem to say nice things about me, and that's that's you know magnificent. I love it. Uh,
0: just touch on that. there's a lot of players, class as legends who never lifted a trophy, like you have. So,
1: well, that's it. I've mentioned that before. There's bigger and better players than me that have never won a game, uh, never won trophies, you know. And I've been fortunate enough to to do it and uh, you know play for a great club like Everton in an FA Cup at Wembley against Manchester United. Perfect for me. Yeah. do you keep in touch with many of the lads from back then we do we've, we've done a couple of interviews like this um, you tend to see a few at the games or before all this there'd be functions that you know you sort of do a 95 reunion that type of thing well the, thing, well, the good thing is you know, if I don't see anyone for a long time when we do see each other it's as if we've always kept in touch you know we're not keeping in touch because we don't like each other it's just we're yeah. very busy people and we've got lots of things to do you know, we ever see anybody, we, you know, we, it's just a brilliant reunion at any time because we had such great times, such yeah. a great time for each, you know, and we've got time for each other when we do eventually meet up. Unfortunately, it's not enough, yeah. enough times rather, but, you know, we just, just wait for them invites. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, you can come back to Ireland at any time, you know, you're over here yeah, a few I'm years ago, you, you and Matt Jackson. Yeah, that was, that was oh. I, I actually missed that night, so, yeah, uh, oh, uh, I was at a stake, but, yeah. Uh, uh, we might up we for it again pal we make up. Uh, anyway. so before we finish with a few questions from uh, some Morris Toppies members here um, yeah, Philip Reid wants to know where did the name Man come from
1: I'm not 100% um, I think Dave Watson had something to do with it but I didn't know whether because to believe it or not I, I could eat anything and loads of it so I don't know <laughs> because of that uh, or the Wigan connection, you know, the, the pie eaters. I, I'm yeah. not sure, but for one, I could eat anything and eat loads of it. Uh, I can't now, unfortunately. Well, I still can <laughs> eat, but I don't, I'm not the same trim. And, you know, it affects me in a little bit in different yeah. ways. But I, I, I think it might have been more towards, you know, the Wigan connection, the pie eaters.
0: Okay. Uh, a little segue into that. round and Healy wanted to know, what is your favourite pie? <laughs> Any warm one. <laughs> you obviously well, don't get I mean, the poison going, listen. To them. <laughs> you can't.
1: You can't, <laughs> you can't beat a steak pie I don't think. As yeah, long as it's not too yeah. on a acre pie where you can't scoff it straight away, you've got yeah. to be able to scoff it down.
0: Yeah, it has to be a happy medium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and just finding them round myself. Who was your best mate when you played at Everton?
1: Um, I, it's a hard one, that really, because we, as a team, we were really, really close. Um, you know and then we had like me, Matt Jackson and Eanscliffe would go out with the wives and stuff even though as a team we all did got on great with Nev just Dave then Craig Short came my re- room with Craig we still keep in touch Unzi David Unsworth there was just so many really that you wouldn't go yeah that was my best mate at all times we just all got on really well you know I wouldn't really want to pick anyone out because we were all really quite close really. It was just a great time and we, we all really mixed well at a time when we could do really, you know, going out having a drink, having a meal yeah. and all that. And sort of, at the time even, you know, you could let your hair down then, which is yeah. a little bit different now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. For two you reasons, I'm not the cameras. <laughs> 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 did, did you socialise together much as a as- yeah. as- team back then? Yeah. Oh God, yeah. All the time. It's virtually every, every Wednesday. Um, It'd either be lads or Couples, it it depend, or if we didn't go over Wednesday, it would usually be a Saturday after a home game. There was always something happening. Um, And and that was a massive part of it. And, you know, I know they don't really do that in the same manner that we did. You know, we didn't understand what, well, we did sort of understand what it was doing to our body, but we thought you could just get away with it. Where There's a lot more sports science now, isn't it? And Mm. unfortunately, you know, anyone could take a picture of it any time, even if you're sober. You take a picture, your eyes are half shut, and you look drunk, don't you? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it killed everything, really, doesn't it? Yeah, and uh, unfortunately, times. they can't do that now, but we certainly made up for it when we, we went out and parted. We, we had a great time, and it was, I thought it was a massive part of what we achieved.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then just one uh, from Philip Breed. He wants to know do you think that uh, Sky have ruined the game with all the money that's come into it? Um,
1: it's a tough one, isn't it? You can't knock the, the coverage. The coverage is yeah. fantastic. You know, they've they took that to a, another level and, and, you know, BT can't even cope with that. The mm. Sky is just the number one. So you can't, mm. you can't cope, uh, knock it for that. Money-wise, I think players should get what they can because it's very short. You know, what happened to me? Mm. Uh, you know, film stars get millions and millions per film. They don't get the same stick. Musicians, you know, make it to the top there. You're earning millions and millions. You know, footballers always seem to get the stick, don't they? That they're overpaid for what they do. But they, they do work hard. They do make sacrifices. Christmas time, all on You know, they, they might sound very very little and so what type of thing. But they're massive. You know, you're missing your family. And it's just, it can be such a short career. You've got to get what you can. And if someone's pouring a lot of money into the game you're the main reason behind that, the player. You know, you, sh- you want to try and get as much as you can because you don't know when it's going to stop and, you know, it's such a, it can be such a short career. But it, if everything goes well, you have a long career, well, pay for it. I don't think there's a better career in the world, really, being a footballer. Yeah. yeah. And, as long, and as long as players, you know, which I think doesn't help them, they've sort of distanced themselves a little bit away from the fans. Yeah, I i And think they've that's lost something to fans where... Yeah you know again if you touch on it with the cameras and camera phones you know we'd always go over the Wimsleau and have a couple of pints before you know we've lost all that but you know these modern day footballers can still connect with fans on all the social medias still sign all their autographs as long as they're doing all that you know they should still be held in high esteem really yeah, yeah. listen dog thank you very much for today. really really appreciate it Pat been and an absolute like pleasure and I'm, I'm uh,
0: waiting for the invite to get over there. That's always out. <laughs> you don't have to wait. This was all oh, Thanks very much for your time and it's hard to see Pat. Take care. Anytime. See you later now. Bye.